Welcome to Bottoms on Top. I'm Prakash. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. Prakash, how are you on this beautiful Saturday afternoon? You know, Andreas, I'm doing okay. It's been very cold this week, so I've been whipping out my winter wardrobe. You know, we're doing that big closet transition at last for the season. But, you know, I went out last night, and (laughs) I was coming home, and I came home with a friend, and... We were like, let's get food. Let's get some drunk food. Yes. And so we end up going to Wishbone, where, lo and behold, the cashier was having an extended conversation about her experience with this one Canadian sugar daddy that she had at one point. And Beautiful. I was this like, is the Wishbone on campus? This is the Wishbone on campus. Beautiful. Like, right at 40th and Walnut. And she was she was like telling us like oh you know i feel like everyone should have a price and like i've talked about this with my boyfriend like we both know like if someone comes in here at like $2000 i'm like okay let's go and her her coworker just goes your price is low like calls her <laughs> out and so she proceeds to ask each of us what our price is like it's me and these like three or four drunk frat dudes and she goes down the line and I'm sitting here like, I don't know what my price is. I feel like if I have a good meal and a nice bottle of wine and then they are like, you want to go somewhere and they're nice, I'm, I might be like, mm, let's go. You won like, this hole. You like... won this hole. <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> earned. But she was just like, no, you got to get the coin. Like, you got to really, you got to really put it in. And she was like, yeah, you know, like, I was on seeking arrangement for a while. Like, I'm looking for this to, like, supplement my income. And I was like, girls out here working. <laughs> like, yes. So I would like to give a huge shout-out to that wishbone for the kinds of coin they're bringing in. <laughs> that is beautiful. I love how she was serving all the frat boys. All the frat boys. Because I would definitely put that as the low Wait, mark. Wait, one of my favorite, one of my favorite answers was this one frat boy, like, walks up and... She's just like, okay, so like, what's your price? And he goes, you know, I don't know if I really believe in that. Like, I don't know if I would. And she just goes, okay, but like, what is your price? <laughs> She's like, I didn't ask like, for your moral. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a framework. Just what is your price? <laughs> what are you selling for? What are you selling for? I absolutely love that. I think that, okay, especially these days me mm. the old person i am who knows so much more than these days right but um we are wizened older <laughs> gays <laughs> but i feel like it's so much easier to be like open if you're like sugaring or just like have a relationship that is more generous some may say yes um i think it's great but the thing is i think some people don't really care don't don't really want to do it seriously, and then it like also demeans the work of people like the women you were speaking to, or right. who are actually trying to make a profit off of sex work. Yeah, um, I had a friend tell me that um, one day. Shout out to Brittany Henry for clocking my problematic ass, because <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I want a sugar daddy. I don't want to do the sugar. She was like, that's problematic because there right. are people out here who do that for their job. Right. Just so just a reminder clock to all our us. listeners. Yeah, you know, clocking you, but in a friendly way. You know. Mm, just a check, it and go. a little check. Yes, but um, I also went out last night. Yes, and I was in the neighborhood for a bit. 
But it was kind of concerning going to the neighborhood because there was this rumor going around that someone was going to basically open fire in At Woody's Woody. or Voyeur yeah. or something like that. Um, I so we both got this. What I got like a few messages from people being like, "Hey, if you're going out, be careful. Like someone is threatening to like shoot up a bar." And I was like, "Woo, crazy." Yeah. Um. <clears throat> now I don't know if I'm being like dumb for this, but I still went out <laughs> um, to the neighborhood. I didn't go to Woody's <laughs> because I don't really like to go to Woody's. Right. But um. I still went out because I was like, well, there's always bad cops there in the first place. Mm. And I'm sure if everyone knows this, there's probably going to be even more cops there. Right. Maybe I was wrong, but nothing happened. Yeah. I just, I always, when threats like this happen, like I feel like one of these happened on campus our freshman year, I just like always have this internal monologue, like how seriously should I take this? Like now that it's out there, will there be like enough of a response that I shouldn't be worried should I be giving them the power? Like, all this, like, internal conversation. And it usually just leads to me being like, I'm going to do what I got to do, you know? Yeah, that's literally it. And it's also just, uh, I feel like it's even more scary when things like this come out because things like this do happen so often. So, yes. like, even yeah. the slightest, things like this happen without warning. Right. So, even the slightest warning is just enough to, like, make a lot of people say no. Right. But stay safe out there, y'all. Please do. Whether there's a warning or not, be alert. Be alert. I'm like the MTA ads. If you see something, say, <laughs> say something. something. Yes. And mind the gap. Mind, mind the gap. The gap. <laughs> Please step over the gap when exiting the train. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back in a minute. We're going to hear from, like I said before, Nuna, Penn Musician, and later welcome Sammy Gordon and Allie Johnson, the rest of the Bottoms on Top team, onto the show today. See you. Whatever. All right, listeners. So today we thought it would be a good idea. We're halfway through the season, maybe more than halfway through, depending on what we decide to do. Um, we thought it'd be a good idea to introduce the rest of the Bottoms on Top team. So we have our podcast producer, Allie, and Sammy, who y'all know. Introduce yourselves. Hello, um, I'm Sammy. I am the executive creative consultant first and the editor second <laughs> of Bottoms on Top. Hi, I'm Allie. I'm the podcast producer. Um, only one title. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So we thought it'd be a good idea to have y'all on air for a minute. Um, Allie, we're going to start with you since... Sammy's been on the show a few times already. <laughs> so wh- being podcast producer, coming in here, what did you think of Bottoms on Top before you came into your position and now that you're sitting here in the studio with us? Yeah, I listened to it while I was a news editor. Um, I think it's gotten better. Um, <laughs> no, pers- no, <laughs> no personal like, bias. <laughs> no, personal <laughs> bias. <laughs> no personal bias here. Not- <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing. Sammy, if you could executive creative consult any actual podcast, which would you executive creative consult? Mm. Do you know about Popcast? The New York no. Times. Yes. There's Popcast several. needs some consulting. Yeah. <laughs> Popcast, Popcast, like everyone has such good opinions and I just want to hear them and it like really takes them a while. 
to get there. Yeah, and I, I feel like they problem. they always talk about things that like music that sometimes I don't care about. Like the title is like clickbaity, and you yeah. click it, and it's like not no, what I want to exactly. hear. Exactly, and mm. they always yeah they try to like over journal, like they they try to be journalists way too much. I think hands down, podcast is too long. Yeah, mm. it's like an over an hour. Sometimes, Have you heard right? so, what's it called, Song Exploder? Yeah, I feel like that's a better yeah. Version. That's like what yeah it, what it wants to be. be yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, Ali, what have been some changes in DP Podcast this year since you came on board as the grand matron of podcasts? <laughs> um, we've added three podcasts. So, um, the first was Sia's, uh, the, the Trillist. Um, they're on their, she's on her seventh podcast, so she's already done a ton this semester. It comes out every Saturday. Um, and the talk launched, uh, just last week, um, with two freshmen, um, and they are talking about sexual health and things related to that. Um, one of the hosts is really involved in, um, pushing for sex ed reform. And then we have a new podcast launching Tuesday, uh, called Positively Pen, and it's about um, just, like, uplifting things that are happening on campus, people who are trying to um, improve pen culture. Um, so we're excited about that. That's so exciting. I'm excited for Positively Pen because yeah. we were in the office and we were brainstorming some ideas. It was just so wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> like a also, break from wenchery that we do here. Yeah. <laughs> also mad at Sia for making us look bad. Like, she has her shit together. So. Yeah. Crazy, right? Every <laughs> week she releases. Uh, maybe we need some yeah. consulting from yeah. her. <laughs> she can uh. take my job. <laughs> In true line with our usual wenchery of Bottoms on Top, we're going to play a game of Fuck, Mary Kill with Ali and Sammy to get a little bit more of an idea of what their personalities are like. <laughs> you will be held accountable for every single one of your answers. Yes. Um, okay, let's get personal. Fuck Mary Kill, our past and current bottoms on top hosts, Ian Jong, John Holmes, and I guess Andreas, because yeah. I'm still new, so you can't you can't take me out yet. <laughs> I'm not a full term yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't know Ian as well. So I'll just kill him. <laughs> and... TikTok? <laughs> I'm listening. I would fuck John Holmes and marry Andreas. Allie. <laughs> I, mean, I never met the other two, so I feel like I can't really. It's you okay. Know. I've also well, Mary never met Andreas, any... and then the other two up in there. <laughs> Fair. Well, I'm so happy that I'm so wifeable. So married. I try so hard to be domestic. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill, Broden, Harnwell, Harrison. Okay, which one's which? Harnwell. <laughs> <laughs> Roden is closest to fortieth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which one is the one with uh, Stallman's? Harnwell. Harnwell. Okay. Um, I will marry Harnwell because I feel like it's like good, just like regular day. I'll go to Stallman's. Mm. Fuck Roden because that's like, I've only been there for all nighters. 
in the high rise lounge. <laughs> so literally, fuck uh, Rhoda. <laughs> um, and kill the one in the middle whose name I can't remember now. Miss <laughs> Harrison. Yeah. Yeah, I would kill Harrison too. Honestly, I'd kill all of them if that were an option. Um, <laughs> but I'd fuck Harnmall and marry Rodin, I think. I feel like Rodin. I just learned they get different amounts of money yeah, for, like, yes. events. Rodin's Ooh. loaded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, because Rodin's ratio of people to money is, like, really high. And they have the nicest elevators also. Yeah. Also, Harnwell. <laughs> yeah, Harnwell people have been getting trapped in yeah, the elevators. <laughs> really? Yeah. And they there was just a DP story about it. And they said something like they would only be concerned if people were being trapped three to four times a month. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're trapped, like, twice a yeah. month right now. <laughs> no, that, yeah. And then one Almost. in a recent thing. They like people were trapped in an elevator, and then it took like thirty minutes for the maintenance guy to show up. <laughs> like oh after they pressed the button. Me? Wow, that's crazy. Um, but Rodin also had like I remember last year there was a time when Rodin had like one elevator just was never working. Yeah. And I feel like Rodin has the most flooding. Yes, <laughs> the iconic Rodin like three floor flood. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> like no one even knows how that works because they're all above ground level. <laughs> 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 But I do think, um, more on the note of fucking Hardwell, Hardwell <laughs> is a very fuckable building, I think. It's hot. Yeah. It's <laughs> You'd sit on it. <laughs> Let's do one, one more. more. Wait, yeah. okay. This might be too easy, though. I was going to say fuck, Mary kill, DP, 34th Street, under the button. Oh, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. Okay, mine's easy. Sorry. <laughs> I'll marry the DP. Fuck you, DP, and uh, kill straight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait, no, but so different. I'm biased. I would. Yeah, because you're street. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, street's a freak bitch. Yeah. <laughs> street has like a sexy design mm. and like the nicest website. <laughs> I love a hot web design. <laughs> um, and then I'd marry under the button and kill the DP. Yeah. Kill the sugar daddy, the DP. Oof. They steal all the money. <laughs> well, lit in the tit. Thanks for introducing yourselves this season, guys. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, thank you. You're always welcome. Literally, you're always here. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Welcome back, listeners. Today, we are here to have a conversation about queering music with pen musician Nuna. Hello. Welcome on the show. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. We've had a day, but let's talk about music. Okay. Why don't we start off, Nuna, with you just describing a little bit of your music style for us? Um, That's a good question. I would say my music is like ambient, electronic, experimental pop. I'm very influenced by like Bjork's um, homogenic phase, Vespertine phase. I'm also really inspired by, that's like setting up a lot. I'm definitely nowhere near Bjork. Like Bjork, <laughs> Bjork snapped. Bjork is a legend. But um, I don't know if you guys know who Grouper is, but I love mm. Grouper. Um, so yeah. Nice. And can you explain? So I know that your name is, it means something. Tell yes. me. Yes. So Nuna means uh, 
older like female figure, usually like older sister, mm. um, and it's like what men usually call women older than them. So they say nuna. If it was a woman calling someone older, there, uh, another female figure older than them, it'd be onni. But this is nuna. Um, and my stage name is Nuna, and I'm gender non-binary, so I, like, hate how everything is gendered in Korea. Like, <laughs> tea. that is D. <laughs> like, We're sipping it. Can we not? But anyway, yeah, my stage name is Nuna because, like, I've had a lot of Nunas in my life, and it was something that was, like, I hated saying it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to, like, refer to people as people, but it was always, like, you always had to gender people no matter what. You just dropped a lot of identities on us. I you did. You mentioned growing up Korean, being mm-hmm. Korean, and being gender non-binary. So how does that get translated into this experimental electronic pop that you mentioned? Um, I feel like I don't intentionally do it, but it's just like, it just happens, you know what I mean? I feel like my queerness, my identity, my gender identity, me being Korean... I think that just comes out through everything I do. Not just through my music, but, like, who I am as a person. The way I talk. The way I look. Like, I'm Korean. <laughs> like, yes. No, that's a joke. But, like, um, no, I, I feel like it's very natural. It's very organic. I don't ever try to, like, make my music super queer. Um, or, like, super Asian or super whatever. I, that's never my goal. My goal is just to... Um, express myself you know what I mean like I always I always think I always tell people like the difference between sound and music is music is just sound with meaning you know what I mean and so like my music is just me putting whatever personal meanings I have into sound you know what I mean so it's just like whatever I'm feeling whatever I'm, I'm thinking all administered I'd love to hear a little bit more, like maybe you can talk us through like a particular recent song, but like about your creative process, like how you put meaning into your music. You don't have to spill all the goods, <laughs> but <laughs> there are no goods to spell. What are you talking about? Um, so I'm like, I'm not going to speak for everybody. Well, I was talking to my friend Karen the other day. I don't know if you guys know who Karen Yang is. Shout out Karen Yang, super talented videographer. But um, she was telling me, like, uh, her, she, like, puts a lot of meaning into, like, visual symbols when she creates videos and stuff. And um, for me, like, I feel like I do something similar but with sounds. Um, So when I say, like, my music is ambient, electronic, experimental, it's because, like, uh, I use a lot of uh, sound samples that I have on my phone. So I, like, more technically, my music would be called plunder phonics because it's just like a whole bunch of sounds like spliced together and so when it comes to like my identity what I'll do sometimes not sometimes a lot of times it's like if I'll have like a home video of my family like I'll splice certain parts and then I will put an auto filter over it or bit crush it or compress it heavily make a kick drum out of like my dad's voice or something Mm. or um make hi-hats out of my sister's voice or, like, anything, you know what I mean? So it's just, like, whatever sounds I've obtained through, you know, like, just living, (laughs) whether it was 
videos from like when I was born or just videos I've recorded like on a daily basis. Like you'll see me all the time like walking down somewhere and I'll just be like recording things onto my phone, whether it's Locust. I hate Locust, but like <laughs> whether it's Locust. <laughs> She's there. Yeah. Or like any other place, you know what I mean? Uh, I try to record and I just like administer that into my music. Mm. I know some artists try to like process experience through their music do you think you do this or do you think it's more just like organically like whatever it is that's on your mind or that you're listening to just kind of develops itself that's a really interesting question mainly because um so the album i released exactly a year ago actually it came out today a year ago your launch party was beautiful yes (laughs) um i feel like that was me observing what had happened to me for like quite a while from like an outside perspective but I feel like the music I'm working on now is very much so like that processing you're talking about it's like me verbalizing things to myself but also like sonically processing Mm. um, certain experiences I've had and still going through more on your first album, so I'm just recalling listening <laughs> to it. So you had like a really nice like launch party, and like everyone came and listened. That and was so beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm so thankful. <laughs> it was great, and there were so many people too. Um, yeah, I was like, when I set up the launch party, I was like, no one's gonna come. It was like three people are gonna come, and like I was overwhelmed. Like I just could not believe it. I was. We like, love a community. I was like, I'm so grateful. And we had good snacks. I did a <laughs> really good snack. <laughs> Went to Chinatown. Like Ooh. these girls were having their goods. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that album. You mentioned very distinctly that it's a, like mainly about like your family and your parents, and you have songs like dedicated to like different family members. Mm-hmm. So how has your music been changed? How has your music changed since that album? I know you kind of touched on it before, but since the first album a year ago, and to what you're working on now. Yeah, so like I said before, that album, Free For Them, was very much so like me processing things from like an outside perspective or at least like observing it from an outside perspective, Um, which was great because it was like allowing me to examine fully uh, certain intricacies in my relationship with my parents, with my friends, with my sister and stuff like that. So that was great, but I feel like a lot of things have happened to me since then. And so I think my music now is so much more experiential. I've, I also will say, because that was like the first thing I was releasing, um, I felt like I really had to prove myself too, which I am not happy that I felt that way, you know what I mean? But I definitely mm. did. Um, because up to that point, a lot of people were like, you make music? I was like, yes, I do. And what about it? Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's always, like, these SoundCloud white rappers, and, like, you make music? I'm like, yes, sir, I do. What do you do? Like, <laughs> write spoken word <laughs> over, like, a lo-fi hip-hop beat? <laughs> Shut up. Ooh. But um, that's the tea. No, that is the tea. But I felt, like, really pressured to, like, create something that was, like, so cohesive and so, like, oh, this is, like, an actual product. And... Because of that, I feel like I wasn't fully able to express myself in certain ways. I was so busy, like, trying to make things sound complicated and, um, like, quote-unquote cool and shit. Like, that's what I'm, like, upset with. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I swear? 
Yes. Yes. Oh, I was like, is this a kid show? <laughs> we are rated 12 plus, I think. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so this album, it's like, I don't have any more expectations. I have two listeners. <laughs> so <laughs> I have two listeners. So it's like, what expectations? Hello, I'm just going to um, create whatever I'm honestly experiencing. You know what I mean? Mm. And... Yeah, that's exact. That's like what I'm trying to do, but it's so it's so hard because I feel like I because I spent so much time trying to create music that would sound quote unquote like interesting for people to listen to. It's like hard to not fall back into that trope and like think like, ooh, but this would sound cool. It's like no, like does this mean something to me when I add this uh, sound? Like does this mean something to me? So like that's what I'm consistently doing. But I will say, like, pissed me off because, like, people would always be like, oh, so, like, who makes your tracks? I was like, me. <laughs> and what? It's a one-man show. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, people are so disrespectful. They're like, he's, he's not talented. He's like, they're like, where are you getting these tracks? I was like, I'm making them. But that's why, once again, I felt so, like, yes, I felt like I had to, quote-unquote, prove myself, which I now regret. <laughs> Crazy. Who are these little music bitches? I want to meet them. I just want to talk. I'll bring my boxing gloves. I won't won't name names. This is a public podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe after the show. (laughs) Off air. (laughs) I feel like an interesting question that kind of pops into my head while you're speaking, and this kind of, I think, ties into, like, a broader discussion maybe about, like, queer artists today is um, a lot of times I feel like artists feel a sense of responsibility to a perceived listener. And I think a lot of, like, especially, like, white queer artists tend to cater really heavily to that listener over their career. Mm -hmm. To what extent do you think, like, we have responsibilities in our art to, like, the people we're creating that art to? And, like, how does that, I think, influence you? Can we name drop like Troy Savon for no, for like doing that like too much to catering to his listener too much? I was going to say like I don't think that's necessary right. ever. Like I don't think it's necessary to cater your music towards a certain audience. Your music is your music. You know what I mean? It's your art. It's your expression. Of course, like I'm not gonna go into like the commercial details because it's like of course he knows his audience and he's mm-hmm. obviously creating music so that he's commercially viable for his audience so like I get that but it's like a lot of times I find it to be insincere and um it's not only insincere but inaccurate because I feel like some of his songs are like about his difficulty um coming out or like understanding what it means to be uh in the closet and stuff and I'm not saying I'm not discrediting his experiences but didn't he have like very accepting parents and everything? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. no, stop. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I don't think that's necessary at all. And actually, I feel like some of the most moving queer music is actually the ones where it's like queerness is, I don't want to say like a backdrop, but it's just like an element mm-hmm. in the music. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Right, it's not right. all of the music. And I feel like a lot of queer artists of color do that so well because they have so, like, their intersectional identity like, makes their music so much more interesting. Like, name-dropping, like, Kalala. Mm. Yes. Or um, Serpent with Feet. Yes. You know? Yes. Arca. Like, all these artists just have... Oh, and Yves Tumor. Yves Tumor snapped. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, 
That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to explicitly be like, oh, right. I'm queer. Right. To make your, your music is queer because that's who you are. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now that we have some recommendeds, maybe we can like shift this to be a broader discussion about queerness, music, identity, all of these things at once, and talk a little bit about like how we feel music like represents queerness well, what it does not do so well, how the pop Billboard 100 is doing for us and things like that. Because I feel like we have a lot of discussion about you know our pop icons on this show, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about the queer icons and how they're doing. Queer icons. <sighs> a I'm sigh, a hefty <laughs> sigh. Like, I'm trying to think of ones that are like currently popular, you know what I mean? Like right. I have my I feel like we all have our personal queer icons, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I wouldn't necessarily call them the general queer I when I think queer icons, I think like I, I think of straight know. women. Honestly, <laughs> I, I was going to say, women. like, yeah. right now I feel like one of the biggest queer icons is probably, like, Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. Like, people die for Ariana Grande. Yeah. I think she's a phenomenal singer. Uh, I just wish she was, like, more involved with her um, music. If you actually, like, look into her the credentials on her album, like, there are quite a few songs where she's, like, not involved. She's just mm. doing her vocals. Um, which isn't always a bad thing because, like, there's obviously artistry in singing. And she's a phenomenal, phenomenal vocalist. But I just, like, I feel like she has a lot to offer. And her new song, Thank You, Next, is very good. And she contributed lyrics, you know what I mean? Like, she yeah, worked on it. Yeah. It was very good. Also, her first Billboard Hot 100 number one. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, That's really? A win. Thank yeah. you. Next was the first. Wow. It was also like the fastest to get there. I think it beat out like Shape of You was the last one. It was one. like the fastest, uh, it's like the most streamed song or like the fastest song to get 100 million right. streams or something right. like something, that. Yeah. Some benchmark was broken. Yeah. Like, and it was so like the. There's yeah. so many benchmarks. <clears throat> Nicki Minaj on her Instagram, like every day, is just like, I just broke this record. I'm like yeah, with yeah. Elvis now. <laughs> yeah. She also. Um, uh, what's it called? Thank You Next is the first song to debut on the Hot 100 um, by a female artist since Hello by Adele, which was oh. which came out in what, 2015? 2015? Wow. 2015, right? 2015, yes. Yeah, it it's been a while. Year. Yes, yes. Yeah. So she snapped. She did. But, and it's good. Uh, look, we need more queer artists of color to get the recognition that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of queer spaces, like queer music spaces, predominantly white. And um, vapid. <laughs> <laughs> in a word. Because <laughs> I just, let me just say, like, I feel like intersectional identity is so interesting and has like so much depth. We can all attest to that. Like, right, we yeah. all have our own experiences where our racial identity, like, really, I mean, it's interconnected with our queer identity. And in many ways, it's great, but also in many ways, it also, like, really hurts. You know what I mean? And so, like, to see these artists express themselves in the way they want to, I think it's so inspiring. And I think it's beautiful. Their music, their music's beautiful. Like, yeah. that's all I can say. Yeah. I think that's like a perfect note. <laughs> that's beautiful. Well, Nuna, thank you so much for being on the show today. 
Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, Andreas Pablo. And me, Prakash Mishra. We'd like to thank our podcast producer, Ali Johnson. Our editor and executive creative consultant, Sammy Gordon. Wexler Recording Studio in the Kelly Writers House. Julia Score, who made our cover art. And Andrew Ellis, who created our theme song. Find him on SoundCloud, at Dummy Fresh. We love y'all. See you again in two weeks.